everyone. Welcome once again to the world of Lord Russell, your regular podcast talking about Lord Russell's adventures as described in his autobiography, My Way, available on Amazon. Once again, we've got Lord Russell here with us. Lord Russell, welcome. Good afternoon. Good afternoon, Venetia. Good afternoon, listeners. Great to be on the show again. I can't believe where all these weeks go. We're back on once again. It's amazing. And the, sun, and the sun is still shining too. So that's good. Yes. It's a lovely day today. And uh, this time we've got a very special adventure when Lord Gosh. Russell was what well, just started his, uh, his journey into entrepreneurship. So he started as a child, age nine or so. So it was the introduction of a decimal coinage back in 1971. And uh, he used his plastic money, which he was get- getting at school, to go to vending machines. So he's going to tell you all about this adventure, which is quite interesting. So tell us all about it, Lord Russell. <laughs> You've really put me on the spot here, Benish. You really have. And uh, it just goes to show, you know, my inventive attitude to life, really. And uh, the, look, pushing the boundaries, uh, testing the testing the service, testing the authority and see what I can get out of life. And it's quite fascinating. Yeah. So you're, you're right. Back in 1971, decimalisation came in. So it was out with the old imperial money in with a decimalisation. Of course, I was only about nine years of age, I think. Mm-hmm. And um, at school, um, Cove Manor Junior School, it was in, in Hampshire. Always yeah. remember it very well. And uh, of course, they introduced the coinage, the decimal coins, even mm-hmm. the halfpenny. Of course, the half pence was alive then, wasn't it? Not anymore. Yeah. And all these coins were introduced to the school, really, to, the, to, 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 to us as pupils, to learn the new coinage. Wonderful. So here we are, got all these lovely coins. And I thought to myself, as we're learning the new decimalization, what can I use these for? Now, if you remember, going back in the day, outside uh, shops in the high street, they'd have machines, vending machines, vending yeah. machines for chocolate, bubble gum, other things, and, of course, cigarettes, you mm-hmm. know. And, um, and in those days, well, I do remember the cigarette machine being 10 pence for a packet of number six. It was okay. 10 number six. 10 pence, something like that. And uh, I thought, I wonder if these, these coins work. So I put some in my pocket. And I thought, okay. what I can do is they do work great. I can go down to the, the playground after school where all the big kids are and sell them off, make some money. So off to the shop I went and with these, this pocket full of plastic 10 pence coins, <laughs> desperalization. When it works, so I slotted one in and bang, bingo, opened the drawer and 10 number six popped out. I thought, wow. that's great. So it's incredible, pocket. really, but it worked. It, it yeah. worked. And, of course, they had no weighted systems in those days. I don't suspect they realised that uh, conniving uh, entrepreneurial kids like myself would even invent the idea of using these in these machines. Yeah. Um, and, of course, well, they were wrong. I was there. So another one <laughs> popped in, another 10, number six pops out, and I carried on. And, um <laughs> So I had this bag full of the, these 10 number six and I uh, thought, well, that's great. And off I went down to the, the, uh, the, the, the local play yard where all the swings were and whatever. And all the big kids were there, you know, showing off. And I said, right, here we go, boys, 10 number six uh, and get my money. So I didn't make a profit in terms of charging them more for them. I charged hmm. them exactly what they cost. But of course, I was okay. making profit because yeah. it didn't, didn't cost me anything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Coins for hard currency. Yeah. Fantastic. So that's what I did. 
And this went on for quite a while, actually. And then all of a sudden, the school was sort of saying, well, where's all these coins going? Well, yeah. I haven't got a clue. And everybody in the, in the class is looking around at each other. Who knows what's going on here? No one knows. Anyway, that's quite a fascinating thing. And, of course, in the end, this particular shop got a bit suspicious because all of a sudden they went to fill up the cigarette machine, which was empty, and out come all these plastic coins. Yeah. So of course, they went off to the local schools trying to find out what's going on. And what did you do? Yeah. There was an inquiry about, you know, who's doing this. But, of course, yeah. no one knows. No one's yeah. going to own up, are they? So that particular bit of entrepreneurship came to an end, actually, on that basis. But it went on for weeks. It was fantastic. So, um, yeah, uh, the, the inventive way. And what I discovered as well uh, doing this was the two pence pieces and the 10 pence pieces uh, went, went into the telephone boxes as well. So you could make phone calls for free. So that was great, too. The days of the old telephone boxes on the corner of the street, plastic coinage, two pence in, 10 pence in, phone your mates. That was yeah. great. That worked as well. So um, a bit of, bit of fun, really, with the decimalization of plastic coins at school. That was a fascinating thing. So, yeah, the start of my entrepreneurship. That was quite yeah. good, really. <laughs> well, sounds, yeah, that sounds brilliant. Very inventive, you know, shows your resourcefulness. Yes. And your daring as well. <laughs> <laughs> well, probably what's not so much daring is probably kind of thinking, well, I won't get caught. I was young, you know, didn't care too much, really, to be honest. Um, and uh, well, I didn't get caught, which is the main thing. And I made some money out of it as well, which is even better. So um, I thought, well, this is good. This is a good start to a new business. And it went on from there, really. Other things happened in my life, you know, that was quite inventive uh, yeah. to make money. And uh, in my younger days, uh, even the cinema. I don't know if you, you remember the cinema story in my book. That was good. Yeah, the global cinema. I wanted to talk about that, actually. So <laughs> that was another inventive streak of yours where you were uh, making money out of nothing, really. So Again, out, of yeah. your, out of your position there as, as a projectionist of the cinema. Yes. Do you like to tell us more about that? Well, yes, because um, uh, I remember those days very well. I think I was only 14. And yeah. uh, living in Cove, there was the, the army barracks down the road, the Gibraltar, the Gibraltar barracks, they were called. Mm -hmm. um, so the sort of civil engineers. And um, they all on mass there, of course. And of course, on that site was was a cinema called the Globe Cinema. Yeah. Um, this whole Gibraltar barracks isn't there anymore. It's all a housing site, uh, state. They've moved off somewhere else. But nonetheless, at the age of fourteen, I managed to wander in one day and popped into the cinema, asked for a job, and mm. got a job at fourteen years of age yeah. projecting films up in okay. the projection room. Could you imagine? It just that was a happen. bit strange. Yeah. And all sorts of films days. as well. Yeah, all sorts of films. And, of course, Tuesday nights. I did Tuesdays, Wednesdays and Thursdays, I think. And Tuesdays, Tuesday nights was porn night. It wasn't really porn, of course. It was just, you know, risque films. Erotica. Really, <laughs> Erotica. So it wasn't real porn. But, of course, the, the squaddies on site loved all of this. They'd, they'd pay their money and go and sit in. Yeah. And of course, what it was in those days, it was these old carbon rod projectors so there's okay. two projectors either side shooting out the windows okay. if you remember the cinema in those days everyone smoked and the the, the the shine of the cinema would go down onto the screen and get all the smoke flowing through the light it was yeah. kind of atmosphere kind of atmospheric really and smelly yeah. as well at the same time well anyway i had to run these two projection cameras 
And um, and when one was running out of film, I'd quickly run to the other one to switch over. And the indication of that was when you look at a film on TV, you see these little um, like uh, um, flashes go up on the top right hand corner like little stars. Mm-hmm. And that's the indication to say that film's that film reel is coming to, to an end to the projection. Just to, so you run over, switch off, and switch on simultaneously. So the film continues. Okay. Whilst watching these watching these erotic films, I thought, hold on a minute. There's a splicing room to the side. What I'll do is I'll get hold of these reels of film, loads of them, by the way, in case they got ruined, and uh, splice, splice all the good pictures out. So all the erotic pictures, naughty ladies in just their underwear and topless, mm-hmm. and this kind of thing. Yeah. I'll splice them out, rejoin the, rejoin the film together. And, of course, okay. when you're splicing, it doesn't matter. You don't see a jump in the film because it runs yeah. so fast, but you're taking little snapshots of the film out. Yeah. So I thought, what I'll do is I'll go down to the Cove, Cove Market the following day, get these viewfinders, put in these little little snippets of uh, of film of the naughty lady in her underwear mm-hmm. or topless, and pop into the school playground the following day and sell them in the playground. Fifty p, lovely jubbly, everyone's a winner. So um, that's what <laughs> I did. I did it quite regularly, uh, and it became quite a thing in the end. Uh, so people would buy them off me. These little viewfinders, point them yeah. up to the sun, and have this little picture of a naughty lady. So that was another little entrepreneurship, was making 50p a go on those. So that was quite fun. Yeah, and, um, yeah so you were still very young. So. I was. Yeah. And, nice. the, and, of course, the, the, the local squaddies liked me anyway in the end, because um, I come from a military family anyway. They'd invite me into the naffy afterwards for a beer at 14 mm-hmm. years of age. <laughs> Heavens above. The things you did in those days. But I still got home. I still did my homework every week, and I still got yeah. my exams and all that yeah. kind of thing. It was it was good, um, but yeah. So you were still quite studious and everything. Didn't neglect your studies. No, no, I didn't neglect my studies. That was great. Did it the weekend or on a Sunday, or did it fitted it in somehow. But I basically, like most kids in those days, I burnt the the candle at both ends, Venetia. Yeah. So up early in the morning doing a paper round. Yeah. Um, in the work, going to school in the evening, I did this projectionist two to three times a week. Mm-hmm. Poor night on Tuesdays, I've just said. So my little entrepreneurship there, splicing films. And then other nights I do canvassing um, for Double Glazing Company. Okay. And uh, that was great fun too because I'd, I'd go out knocking the streets, picking up ca- uh, calls. This lady would go out and sell Double Glazing. And on a Monday she'd say, oh, here's your earnings for last week, Russell. And I'd regularly get 40, 50 or 60 pounds. I was 14, oh, right. 15 years of age. Yeah. I think the, um, the average wage in those days was 25 pounds a week. So I was actually cash rich. Wow. So that's fantastic. Yeah. And of course, my father would ask where you're getting all this money from. I said, well, I'm working, you know. Yeah. And he got suspicious. So he wanted to see this lady one night. She pops in and uh, had a chat, and he was okay after that. But, yeah, so I'd regularly have money on my hip. So I could go down the down the market, buy a leather jacket, you know, 25 pounds. They'd look at me think, oh, you're only young, you haven't got any money. And then I'd roll off this, <laughs> this wad of cash. They'd be <laughs> astounded. And I'd walk away with a nice leather jacket, you know. Go to the football on a Saturday, watch Chelsea play. I was cash rich. It was fantastic. And richer in those days than I am now, I think, to be honest. <laughs> it's got a full circle. But, yeah. Um, yeah. That's, that's very inspiring for, for younger kids those days. 
Well, I think what it's about really, Benicia, is to, um, uh, I think kids really these days should look further afield. They should look at opportunities, not yeah. doing the things I did. They were a bit naughty, really, but you yeah. could get away with that in the 70s. But other, other options these days, other chances, business opportunities, why not? Mm-hmm. Have a look at them, get on them, have a look and see what you can do. Don't sit back playing on your, on your on your PlayStations every night. Think of something that's going to invent your mind and go off and find something where you can make money, create a business. That's what it's all about at the end of the day. Yeah. Because in those days, I never had computers. There was no Google. I had to do other things. So it was about doing the things I did and make yeah. money and open the mind up. Good fun. And also, I could see from the book, I mean, following those episodes, I could see that you were also doing really well in sports at school. And yes. uh, you were yes. doing really well in there was a sprinter's championship. You were also made captain of your football team at a very young age. Yeah, that's and right. And you were very proud of that because you were still very young and the boys were much bigger than you, but still, you made your mark at that very early age. Absolutely, yeah. Now, I was a very quick runner, and I, I did the sprint races, usually 100 metres, um, and I won them all the time at school, always quick. Went off to the, yeah. the Old Shot and Farnham District Championships on a nice track. And my first attempt there to win that, I actually lost. I come second. I couldn't believe it. Um, this guy beat me by literally a hair's breath. Okay. I thought I'd won, but they gave it to him, and I was yeah. so disappointed. Yeah. And, of course, eventually I got to the Old Shot and Farnham District Championship, but by that time... Um, I'd gone up, I stepped up to 200 metres, 400 metres. And the 200 metre race, I actually came came round the corner and no one was going to take over me. I was on a actual whale, whale of a yeah. run. And just kicked into the home straight and went through the, the tape with a breeze. I'm up in the air on, you know, the Russell being his normal self. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, flash and whatever. And, um, you know, but, you know, some people thought I'd be big headed, but that's that's life. You know, I was good at running, so I made sure everybody knew it. I was yeah. young and vibrant, and I won the championship in a record time. It was fantastic. Um, so that was really good. You know, I did 400 metres as well, and also long jump, which I, I'd won for five years in succession at, uh, okay. at uh, That's pretty Joe Comprehensive School. Yeah. So that was good. And many, many events I, I won long jump at as, as well, which surprises me because I got quite short legs. But I had a lot, of, a lot of pace. And it was my running, actually, that got me into football. I was... Mm. Um, uh, I think in the junior school at the time that the sports master said, look, got, I want you to pick you for the team, Russell. I know you've got some quite skilled, skillful feet. You're a good-footed, uh, both left and right-footed player. But your speed is what I want you what I want you in this side for. Okay. And that was it. So I got into that side, and that was my pace. Yeah. And thereafter, um, went to, you know, co-comprehensive school and, and played football all the way through those five years. I mm-hmm. uh, got coached by Charlie Mortimer, who was an ex-professional football player for Aldershot, um, all shot football club at the time. Uh, we played in the, I think the the Woking side for their um, amateur cup final victory at Wembley as well, going back in the sixties. And his brother John Mortimer played for Chelsea, uh, sent half in the late sixties, early seventies. And he taught me technical drawing, so I had both these guys. And in fact, John Mortimer was was manager of Portsmouth at the time. Came to my school, taught me technical drawing. I got to know him quite well. And of course, he's an ex-Chelsea uh, player. And then he went off to manage Benfica, where he became an icon. He's got a statue of him now outside the Benfica ground, believe it or not. Okay. But I got these two guys, and they taught me some deft skills at football, really. Um, and I carried on playing at, at that level. It was, it was fantastic. It's fantastic. But eventually, of course, I uh, got some bad injuries and had to retire very early. With, with yeah, sadly enough. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we played some great games. We got some great finals. 
Um, didn't quite win cups actually at school, but we got to the finals quite regularly. Mm-hmm. Always went down 2 0 or sunk to another side. There's always a story behind it, you know. <laughs> but it was great fun. So quite sporting and uh, still am now at my grand age. Still yeah. like to run, like to cycle. So still the same. Yeah, we've got plenty of uh, plenty of stories in your book itself, uh, where you're yeah. talking about from marathons you ran and all that. So we're going to talk about those a bit later in another podcast. Yes. Yeah. That'd be interesting. So I'll do a lot of that later on. Yes, there's some great stories there with some of the running I've done later in life. But uh, yeah, that was all good stuff. But in my younger days are exciting, Venetia. You're yeah. allowed to do things. You could go out on yeah. your bike. You could cycle anywhere. You could. There's no cameras up. That was actually play. That was actually play, wasn't it? Playing in. It was playing outdoors and with friends, and it was so exciting. You were yeah. you you used to take your bike and go for long rides and all that. So. Well, I'd get on my bike with a few mates, and we'd cycle from Cove to Aldershot and go to the Aldershot Lido swimming pool in the summer. Yeah. You know, kids don't do that sort of thing these days. I know the roads are more dangerous. They weren't so busy then. But nonetheless, you know, we'd get up and we'd go and we'd yeah. stay out all day. We wouldn't come back till late and get into trouble with your parents. What are you doing out so late and all this kind of thing? But it was fun. You know, it was really exciting times in those days. Yeah. I think uh, those good days have gone now. They were good fun. You, know, you could be kids and enjoy yourself. You know, lovely. Yeah, <laughs> lovely. So there's more, there's so much more in the book. So for our listeners, if you want to know more, please uh, get all of the book. So the book is available on Amazon. It is. As a, as a paperback and also as a Kindle version. It's also available as a hardback. So if you want the hardback, the hard copy, please get hold of the book by contacting Lord Russell himself. So he's going to give you all the details how to contact him. Please? Yes, please get in touch with me for a signed hardback. They're beautiful copies, uh, very well designed, absolutely stunning, in fact. It's almost a coffee table book. Um, get in touch with me at my email address, which is russell, R-U-S-S-E-L-L, at norfolklord.co.uk. We can then communicate via email, do a transaction, financial. I can sign up and send it off to you in the post. And that's a beautiful book you'll own. Fantastic. All alternative, of course, as Benicia's just said, uh, go on to Amazon and buy buy a, a soft copy uh, or, a, or a Kindle version there. They're, they're actually available now on Amazon. Yes, so the book is called My Way, Autobiography. It is. A real page turner. It is. And uh, I wanted to say, so I'm Venetia Peach, and uh, I run and own and run a marketing and communications agency, Peach Revolution. So every week we have a chat about the book, so we delve into the different episodes we try to find the most interesting episodes to bring forward to you so that you know it's an incentive for you to get a hold of a book and read the book especially in our summer holidays so it's great it's a great time to sit down by the pool if you're on holiday or at home if you're if you decided to take a staycation and stay at home or in one of those uh, UK resorts so get hold of a book and enjoy it Anything else you wanted to add, Lord Russell? Yeah, well, I spoke to somebody yesterday, actually. Um, I went out for, for lunch here. Like, well, no, actually, it was evening, evening dinner with my girlfriend, Papatra, and uh, and uh, we went in there. One of the ladies behind the bar said, oh, hello, is it Russell? I said, yes. She said, oh, I thought it was. I've just finished reading your book. Oh, it was right. absolutely brilliant. She said, I couldn't put Fantastic. it down. And that's a page turn. She said, it's full of so many interesting stories. She said, You've had such a wonderful life. The things you've done are just incredible. And I thought, well, that's very nice feedback. 
Um, Very so nice feedback. Yeah. Book. I don't really know, but she's got my book and read it. It's wonderful. Yeah. So go and grab a copy. I mean, there's so much feedback on Amazon itself where you can, you know, can see what other people are thinking about uh, yeah. the reviews and all that. Well, last time it was my mobile going off. Sorry about this time that. It's, this time it's Venetia's phone. So actual fact, you know, these things happen. Just goes to show we're humans, we're live. We're doing this stuff as a live recording. And, uh, yes, I did switch my phone off this time, Venetia, but there we are, you know. <laughs> it's good fun, isn't it? You know, that's great. So, yeah, uh, it's live, you know, it's live. So it's, live. it's one of those things which happen. I do apologise about that. No problem. And uh, the podcast itself, it would be, it's normally available every fortnight. So it is. it is available on the major platforms, such as Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music. Yes. And, or... Uh, you can actually get to all of this on my, my Norfolk Law website as well these days. So, yes. um, yeah, norfolklord.co.uk. You'll see the podcast page on there. Go on, and you've got access to all the all the various platforms that it's live on. So, worth going there. So, this is actually podcast six. So, there are others if you want to follow other thrilling adventures which happened before. So, go on uh, onto the website itself, Norfolk Lord or actually go on those platforms which I just mentioned. Perfect. Absolutely superb. Oh, my website, norfolklord.co.uk. It's all on there. Wonderful. Okay. Well, thank you very much, Lord Russell, for your time. Thank you, Venetia. Another great story. Another great conversation as well. So I'm sure the audience will enjoy this one too. It's always good. And to you listeners, have a lovely afternoon, and we hope to hear from you soon. So if you want to give some feedback, if you want to comment, please do so. Otherwise, we'll we'll all meet up in a fortnight for the next episode. Lovely. I look forward to it. Look forward to that. I'll soon come round. See you all in a fortnight's time. See you in a fortnight's time. Thank you. Thanks, Venetia. Thanks, audience. Take care. Thank Thank you, you, everyone. Bye-bye. 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 Bye.